We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. How we doing? It's Ivy Nation Sports Talk, and we are here, and we are ready to go on this Friday. Vince just got done on one side, and he jumped over to this side. Ready to go, baby. Y'all, four hours, piece of cake. (laughs) Nothing, right? Piece of cake. (laughs) Getting used to it. I've got my sea legs under me for the Friday free-for-all mailbag, and uh, we had some great questions today. So, this is going to be fun. Good, I'm glad you liked it. Yeah, and so, but the today, like during the show, I was thinking about this show and my rankings because about which way you're going to go with some of these. Huh? I'm going to get hammered. I have a feeling for some of my rankings, but it's tough. It's tough, know. and you know what Vince is talking about is we're going to rank our uh, top five all-time Notre Dame football players. We're each going to do that here in just a second. Got this idea because Julian Love, the uh, former Notre Dame cornerback, former New York Giant as well, for that matter, uh, it, he's with the Seattle Seahawks. He signed with the Seahawks this offseason, but he guest hosted for a couple days on Good Morning Football on the NFL Network this week. And the first day he was on, they asked him to do his uh, top five all time Notre Dame players. That's and crazy. Honestly, I think his list is more controversial than the one that we're going to, you know, whatever we serve up here. So are, are, can you, can you, you want to divulge hear his list? Because I'm very curious. I didn't, when I sent you guys the questions, I didn't send what his was because I didn't want to, you know, yeah, like yeah. paint yours. And I didn't really look too closely. I knew what the top of his list was. So here is, here's Julian Love's all-time top five okay. Notre Dame players. Number five, Manti Teo. Okay. Number four, Jerome Bettis. Okay. Number three, Ragib, Rocket Ismail. Number two, Joe Montana. Hmm. And number one, Tim Brown on Julian Love's list. So that's his top five. All very modern. The oldest player in that bunch is Joe Montana. And just like earlier this week, when we did our ranking of the top 10 current players on the Notre Dame roster, we left this very open-ended, open to interpretation, whatever right. direction you wanted to go with your top five. Jesse was originally going to do this with us, but he had a mix-up. He's going to a friend's wedding, and he 
looked at the date. He thought it was a Saturday wedding. Turns out it's a Friday wedding, and they've got to oh. drive to Michigan. So, whoops. <laughs> yeah, and then he's got to get up because he's got to coach a Little League game at 1030 tomorrow morning. He's got to get up and do that. So, Oh, Jesse. Yeah, it's, you know, on top of the fact that he he's doesn't a have week. a car right now, that's even, week. you know, easier. So. The first thing that would have gone oh, on my list would be the wedding. Like, I'm sorry, right. not not gonna make it. <laughs> well, it is one of his closer friends from college yeah. wedding, and he Fair like enough. he was he was telling me last night that he's actually friends with both the the bride and groom. They uh, all went to school together, and I guess he took um, you know that he was a math major, and the bride, his friend's you know wife tonight is uh, tonight is. Uh, a math major as well. So they were in like all the same classes together gotcha. and you know, the guy, they played football together and all that kind of stuff. Gotcha. So yes. Father David says that uh, Vince will be the only guy with a kicker in the top five is John I mean, Carney. Is John, John Carney, Carney on your list? John Carney is the most tenured NFL player to ever come out of Notre Dame. So. Oh yeah. In right? terms of, of length. Terms, yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Longest tenured. Right. So, I mean, just saying we'll see all right so let's do this just like we did the other day we we won't like we won't each go through our list we'll just start at number five and then let me grab a note right. so i can kind of keep track of of who we've got who was your number five vince d'addario on your all-time notre dame football player list so do we want to give our criteria first you can if you want i mean yeah. i really didn't i, I didn't really <laughs> set a strict set look i'm not gonna go i'm gonna tell you this <laughs> Newt Rockney is not on my list. Like, if you included playing right. and coaching, I think Newt Rockney has to be on the list. And, like, you can make a case that, sure. well, Newt, you know, with the forward pass, you know, he's credited in some circles with inventing the forward pass. Others would say he just uh, essentially um, advanced the forward pass, I guess right. you would say. But, you know, like – Gus Dorier should be on the list was before gonna, Newt Rockney. Right. And, and, and you know, like – Tom Landry was a was an innovator, you know, when he was a coach and all that kind of stuff. And I I don't consider him, you know, that you know, like he created the flex defense and you know a lot of shifting and all this different stuff. I don't I don't consider him the best coach of all time. So just because you know maybe Newt was an early innovator, sure. I'm, I'm not going to put him on there as a player because this is a players only list. It is not a coach right. list. And like so. I don't yeah. So my my basic criteria was when I started watching. Notre Dame football so really like the 92 93 era okay until, until now is the kind of what I focused on you're gonna leave a lot of good players off your list if that's what I'm aware doing. I'm aware but okay. I, I I just I'm going with the Brian criteria because I can't put players on the list that I never saw play okay like, you know what I mean and so that helped me narrow it down because if I didn't do that my goodness like that it's an exponential list. Well, I'll say like. this. I saw all but one of the guys on my list play. Okay. And the one that who I didn't see play, you know, like while he was still mm -hmm. active, there was enough NFL films and, and stuff like that, that I, you know, like it's, it's crazy how like, you know, even with the NFL network, a lot of that old school NFL film stuff that we grew up with, you know, watching, I don't know if you, how much you watch, but like, you know, it's, you don't really see it as much, but I remember, you know, growing up seeing a lot of, I won't give it away, but you know, a lot of him, you know, with this certain team that was a, you know, part of a dynasty, you know, when, but, when he was playing. So, 
So does that mean he was a better NFL player than a college player? Well, am I gonna have to pick at you here a little bit? We'll, or not? We'll just we'll, when we we'll get find when out. we get to it. When All we right, get to fair it. Fair enough. Fair enough. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So, I think there's a case that he was great at both, especially okay. when, you know, I'll, I'll right. rattle off some of his credentials for you. Fair enough. Who's your number five, Vince? So my number five is uh, the bus, Jerome Bettis. He was arguably my favorite, pl- my first favorite player, uh, as I became a Notre Dame fan, uh, okay. it was when he was at the height of his Notre Dameness, right? So, uh, Jerome <laughs> like Bettis, is the height of his Notre Dameness. Yes, <laughs> Jerome Bettis is my number five, and and I will also say I'm I'm sure my list is going to get ripped to shreds by people, but and I'm sure I forgot somebody. I'm somebody that's on your list is is gonna I'm, I will have missed. I'm sure of it. But I don't know because five is pretty tight. As it, it is, is, you know, super tight. Yeah. Yeah. It really is. Like 10 makes it a little bit easier. But even then, when you're talking about a place like Notre Dame with as many, you know, great players who have come and gone through here, I mean, Bettis is on my 10. list. Fast. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. Go ahead. Now, Bettis is on my list as well. I've got him one spot higher at number four. That sounds familiar. And I mean, like, yeah, I know. Like the other day, that pretty much everyone, like you would name him. <laughs> and I'm like, well, I've got him two spots higher. I mean, What's crazy about Jerome Bettis, you know, there's a little bit just what we've seen so far. A lot of people want to talk about the size and the power of Audric Estime, but the most yards Bettis ever ran for at Notre Dame, 972 in 1991. And that was, of course, he's probably, I think most people probably remember him for the big Sugar Bowl performance oh, against yeah. the Florida Gators, you know, rumbling downfield and all that oh, stuff, yeah. that same 1991 season, you know, but. He was the number 10 overall draft pick by the Rams in, wow. in the 93 draft. I don't think I realized that. 
yeah, after the most he ever ran for was was nine seven, you know. But again, there was a lot of talent in those backfields. It, Reggie Brooks was back there True. with him, and you know he had like Ricky Waters. I think you know, like he and Ricky Waters overlapped at one point. There was a lot of talent back then coming through those backfields. Yes, there at was. Notre Dame, but he goes on. He rushes. You know, he's NFL Rookie of the Year, rushing for over fourteen hundred yards. That was when Chuck Knox was the coach of the Rams, and then Knox is gone. They bring in Rich Brooks, who wants to throw the ball all over the place. And it's like, you can still hand the ball off, even with a passing offense. But Rich Brooks didn't know what to do with Jerome Bettis. They trade him to Pittsburgh. Of course, he goes on for to uh, to rush for over a 1,000 yards seven more times. Hall of Fame pro, career. Pro football Hall of Fame. Wins the Super Bowl. Yeah. The whole thing. And that's, right. you know, again, like, I, I, don't, I don't think that there is... Is probably a world, especially in modern Notre Dame history, where you can leave Jerome Bettis off that list. Agreed. One of the greats. My number five, though, this might be this might be the controversial. Oh, already. I'll be curious to see what you think about this. I've got Jalen Smith at number five. You would think it would be controversial, except I had him at number four. All right. So we so, basically, <laughs> we've got our fives and our fours flipped around. Which I am not shocked that you have them on the list, but I thought that would be the one that I would get the most pushback on. I really right. did. And I and I thought you specifically might have Jalen Smith PTSD because he played for the Cowboys <laughs> and arguably didn't go very well, well because of the injury and all of that. But, but yeah. And that's how I... Like when you look at the career that Jalen Smith had, you know, as a freshman, you know, one of the top recruits in the entire country, I sure. think, you know, top outside linebacker that year, he comes in, starts right away as a true freshman. And of course goes on by his junior year, becomes an all American. And like, he was basically the bright spot, the eraser on the <laughs> horrible Brian Van Gorder defense. Could have been so much better if he had a better coordinator. I mean, can you imagine oh. if he played like Will linebacker? I know. And- Anybody else's defense that has been at Notre Dame, like, oh man. And that's if, if not for that gruesome injury, I think right now we're talking about Jalen Smith as, you know, as with the kind of body type that he has, the yeah. quick twitch and the length and just the change of direction that he had, everything, the instincts that he had when he was at Notre Dame. Like, if he still had all that, if not for that injury, I think right now, what, like seven years and counting on. Yeah. I think we're talking about him as potentially one of the all-time greats in NFL history. But I agree. you know, as as it as it was, you know, that that very unfortunate injury. Like Manti Teo obviously had more accolades. They both won the Butkus Award. But yeah, so so I've got Smith at number five. You've got him at number four. And then boom, boom, we've we've knocked off five <laughs> and four right away for both of us. Crazy. I, and Jalen Smith. I mean. There was talk he was going to be the number one overall draft pick for a right. little while there. Yeah, exactly. I mean, just unbelievable. Just unbelievable. And and he's the poster child for obviously not playing in a bowl game and all of that. And I, yep. to this day, I'm glad he did. But at the same time, I would have loved to follow his NFL career. He wouldn't have gone to the Cowboys, obviously. He would have exactly. gone someplace else. You know, yep. and I don't remember what the order was in that particular draft. Uh, but he would have been at the top of that draft. And yep would have just been amazing he would have been amazing yeah Yeah. even if he didn't go number one he was going to be probably at least top three but there's no way he would have fallen out of the top five what what year was that that he was in the draft what do you remember 2016 
And then he 2016 NFL draft. And then he sat out. He had to sit out his rookie season because of that injury. Didn't actually start playing until 2017. Sure. Yeah. Right. I just wanted to see what the order. So the, the Rams were first. They took Jared Goff. The Eagles were second. They took Wentz. The Chargers were third. They took Joey Bosa. Interesting. Uh, The Cowboys were fourth and took Ezekiel Elliott. So I guess he could have potentially gone to the Cowboys if he yeah they would have had a decision to make they had a desperate need at running back and that was when you know they still had Tony Romo at that point and sure they were building that with the offensive line that they had and they were building that they wanted to kind of go back to some old school running to try to take some pressure off Romo and then of course he broke his back in in uh uh preseason and all that stuff but yeah that's would have been an interesting decision it to make there at the top of the draft for the Cowboys. That's right. And Very the first linebacker off the board was Leonard Floyd to the Chicago Bears at number nine. Interesting. Yeah. Yep. So just some interesting tidbit, tidbits there. I'm, you know. Very Changed curious history for a lot of people, but oh, especially yeah. for him, obviously. Yeah, yep. no doubt about it. No yep. doubt. All right, so we've each got our five and our four. You've got Jerome Bettis at number five, uh, and then Smith at number four. I've got Smith number five, Bettis number four. So what does number three look like for you? Brady Quinn. I got Brady Quinn at number three. Uh, Arguably the best quarterback that Notre Dame has had. You could say Jimmy Clausen, but from a statistical standpoint, from just – I mean, Brady Quinn is the best quarterback they've had. I put him at number three. Don't have him on my list. Um, but again, I've got a couple guys who are a little bit older than Brady Quinn who are going to show up on this list that sure. you're not going to have. Like if I'm if I was looking at the parameters that you did, I've got no problem with it. But all time, I think it gets a little bit murkier. Oh, yeah. I totally get that. Totally get that. In the time that I've been watching Notre Dame football. I think of him as the best quarterback that Notre Dame has had. Yeah, for so, sure. And I, I will say, I, I this is where I, I would bring up potentially Sam Hartman as an honorable mention, depending on how this year goes. If he leads them to a national championship game or something along those lines, he could very well vault into this onto this list, to be honest with you. Yeah, but, with one year, that'd be... Right. I mean, we, yeah, I mean, it, and if that happens, we will definitely revisit this list <laughs> after the season. But wouldn't you say that he would be in discussion to make this list? I mean, is the the missing link to get Notre Dame to a national championship? I mean, that's you'd have to, but like you've got Bettis on your list. You don't have yeah. Tony Rice, you know, like Tony that's Rice was true. obviously an option quarterback who could throw. But, you know, and, like Qu- Quinn is definitely the better pure quarterback, I sure. would say, but Tony Rice. You know, just what you know, basically on the on those parameters, he won a national championship. But he's outside my viewing time, so that's why he doesn't. Oh, make that's the right, because you made and that's your why around ninety two. That's yeah. why Rocket's not on my list either. Man, I, I that's why he's not on my list because he wasn't playing. When I don't I was know watching. who's going to be on your list. Yeah, I think you need to rethink things a little bit, <laughs> Mr. history major. You're already. I'm just you've saying, already. This is kind of just a hot take with you. You know, with with, with these. I you told know, you. About, like Brady Quinn, he's a great quarterback and all. But, yeah. So, my number three is Paul Horning. And wow. he was the one I was talking about, like, NFL films, watching, okay. you know, old school. He started his Notre Dame career as a fullback. 
Then he played some halfback and some safety. And then his Heisman season, 1956, when he became the only player to win a Heisman, or at least the last player to win a Heisman with a losing record, he led the team in passing, rushing, scoring, kickoff and punt returns and punting. And he also played defense and led the team. So he led the team not just in passing, but in interception. He was second in interceptions, led the team in pass breakups as well. Uh, you know, so like when you look at, well, why did he win a Heisman Trophy on a losing team? Well, one, he played for Notre Dame. Two, he did all that. And he also played basketball, by the way. And then, of course, he goes to the Green Bay Packers, number one overall draft pick, wins the NFL MVP while he's in Green Bay, helps the Packers win four NFL titles. That was before the Super Bowl, and then he helped them win Super Bowl one before he retired as well. And he's in both the pro and college football hall of fames so paul horning is on my my, uh, my list Fair obviously enough. goes back a little bit <laughs> a little bit deeper in length than yours. yes it does it's so. much deeper but i get it i understand why i mean the golden boy you know Didn't absolutely the golden boy well, there's seven heisman trophy winners that are not on my list that's true I mean, you know, if your cutoff is 92, there are no Heisman Trophy winners on your list. No Heisman Trophy winners. There's no national champions. There's no, um, I mean, there's there's no lot of things. There's no four horsemen. There's no, you know, you name it. They're not on my list because Notre Dame hasn't been, quote unquote, good in 30 years. Sure. Okay, so Quinn is your three. Horning is my three. Who's your okay. number two? Manti Teow. Okay. Number two. I mean, second in Heisman Trophy voting. He's the closest that any Notre Dame player has been in in within my time frame. So he's got to be on that list. He, you know, he did his stat line was pretty amazing. Uh when when you look at for a middle linebacker, and that's and that's why he and that's why he ended up being second on the Heisman Trophy, but he did it in the big games, multiple interceptions against Michigan. You know, what I mean he he was he was a very very good player and also a very very good leader uh, as well and so that's why he made my list and he's high up there. Yep, for sure. My number two is Rocket Ismail, and there's no way that I'm yep. leaving Rocket off this list. And 1988 was Notre Dame's national championship season, of course, and you know Rocket was on that that team. Def Leppard's Last, I think what I would call big album, Hysteria, was was out at the time, and they had a song called Rocket on it. Okay. And whenever I hear that song, I think of Rocket Ismail. When I think of, you know, him, I think of that song and like Rick Allen's drums at the start. It's like the the you know the the lead up, and I just think of Rocket Launch when I hear that. And I think you know, like a lot of people think of that bogus clipping call in the Colorado game. You know, the ninety-one yard punt return. They got called back. You know, I like to think of of Bo Schembechler being stupid enough to kick to Rocket twice in that game at Michigan Stadium when he returned two kickoffs for touchdowns against the Wolverines. You know, like if if nothing else, Vince, you know, like as much as you hate Michigan, like that's something that you should have on a loop in your house is like That'd Rocket going crazy, you know, but um on that crappy AstroTurf. Yeah. I mean, like when Rocket was on the field, it's like forget about going to the bathroom when <laughs> when there was a kick, a kickoff or a sure. punt, you know, yeah. it's like something was gonna happen, you know. And I think a lot of people forget, 
even though he didn't have a great NFL career, he, he did have a good career in Canada and he yeah. helped Toronto win a championship up there. He was the Grey Cup MVP. You know, their you know, Grey Cup is their Super Bowl up there. So Rocket is my number two. Fair enough. So that takes us to number one. Do you have any inkling who my number one is going to be? Man, I'm trying to think now who it could be because of like, where, you know, where your list starts and who you already have on it. The fact you have Manti at number two, Quinn at number three, and we're only talking the last 30 years. Man, how recent is it? Last 20 years? Oh, yeah. Last 10 wow. years? Yep. Last 10. Well, you've already got Jalen Smith. I, I'm I'm drawing a blank. Who is okay. it? Okay. I was curious. Quentin Nelson. Oh, yeah. It's right as yes. Yes. Yep. Big Q. Qu okay. Quentin Nelson, man. Yeah, I think he's the best Notre Dame player in the last 10 years. Well, by except far. for Zach Martin. Except for Zach Martin. <laughs> There's that cowboy bias <laughs> I was waiting for. <laughs> but yeah, definitely Quentin Nelson. I mean, he he was a game changer at his position. I mean, by far the best player at his position in the entire in college football, and it wasn't close. So Quentin Nelson's my number one. Quentin Nelson, he is a beast. And, you know, I again, like with so many play, the, the fact that my list goes back much farther than yours, there's oh, no yeah. way that I could include some of these current guys. Totally like get that. Like, like I said, I, I think Jalen Smith is in the conversation for one of the all-time greats if it's not for that injury. He's the most recent guy. Yeah, I've got on the list with with your list being basically in the last 30 years. I think it makes a lot of sense for you to have him in there, but it, it probably hard to have two offensive linemen. You know, Zach Martin would like to have a word considering, you know, he is <laughs> he's all but a lock right now for the Hall of Fame. I, I think Big Q that's has true. to play a few more years before he's in that kind of. Absolutely. So. And that's in. And but he out of four out of the five years, he's been an all pro. So, I mean. Right. We're talking the NFL. So, I mean, he's right. he's working his way up to that. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, he was just so undeniably good when he was at Notre Dame. I mean, just so good. Yep. So, you've got Big Q at number one. I've got Joe Montana, you know, and um, there's there's just no way. Like, <laughs> Mont before Tom Brady, there was a case for Joe Montana as the best player in NFL Ever. history. Or, at yep. yeah, like – or at Agreed. least the best quarterback, you know. And I held on to that for so long versus I Tom bet. Brady. Like held on to it and held on to it and held on to it. And just you, you can't make a logical argument versus Tom Brady anymore, unfortunately. And it pains me right. to say that because I just don't I'm not a fan of Tom Brady by any stretch of the imagination since he went to Michigan. But uh I mean, yeah, he's but but Montana is number two. Like if Montana had Won another Super Bowl when he went to Kansas City. Maybe he's still got a case. Like if he picked up a fifth sure. one in Kansas City, but uh, that that it didn't happen that way. Yeah, but, right. You know, again, like Montana, he'll never be in the College Football Hall of Fame because it basically took him until his senior season, right? You know, and really, it was like four games into his senior season before he actually even became a starter. They win the last nine games. You know, the Cotton Bowl. The whole thing, and obviously he, he goes on and rewrites history 
in uh, in San Francisco along with Bill Walsh. So Montana's my number one. Um, so I've got Jalen Smith at number five, Jerome Bettis number four, Paul Hornig number three, Rocket number two, Montana number one. You've got Bettis five, Jalen Smith four, Brady Quinn three, Manti Teo two, and Quentin Nelson number one. Shannon says, could you imagine Jalen Smith ta tackling Audric Estime today? Go, that would go be low. fun. Go low. Be a lot of, that's right. <laughs> no matter what, go low. <laughs> that's exactly right. <laughs> All right, so good list. Very interesting yes. list. That was fun. Uh, yeah. Wow. It was a daunting task. When I sat down and I'm like, top five players in Notre Dame history, I was like, I've got to narrow this down. I, I <laughs> It was making my head explode. I, I just couldn't do it. Yeah, and I mean, obviously, we had to leave a lot, a lot, a lot of good oh my players. gosh, especially from those early days. You could do like a, a top fifty, I yeah. mean, and and have some legitimate dudes on that list. Mm -hmm. Coffees for closer said Bob Crable was a beast at linebacker. I think he has more tackles than Manti. He may, but well back made. then they were running the ball a heck of a lot more than they were when uh, Manti Teo was roaming the field too. I wonder. I'm not looking up Bob Crable's numbers, but I bet you. Manti has more interceptions. Yeah, you're probably right. That one season alone. <laughs> All right. Right. Dehawk said that was Montana's junior year. I thought that now I, I won't get into that whole thing, but I will say this. Like, you know, I did leave Tim Brown off the list, even though he's Notre Dame's last Heisman winner. And like between like him and Rocket, I just felt like Rocket so much more dynamic. And I still do not understand how Ty Detmer from little BYU can throw 28 interceptions. He had 41 touchdown passes in 1990, but he threw almost 30 interceptions and they gave him the Heisman trophy over rocket Ismail. I don't get yeah, it. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. So anyway, fill in the blank. It's blank that Marcus Freeman is throwing out the first pitch at a New York Mets game today. I think it's awesome, and I'm glad that he went to that New York team and not the other one. So if I had to pick one, it's definitely going to be the Mets. So he's in the communication capital of the world, spreading the love of Notre Dame. And so do it at, do it at City Field, not the other one. Yeah, and this is you know part of this New York blitz that uh, that Marcus Freeman and a few of the players are doing. Like you saw Freeman, he was on ESPN yesterday. Sam Hartman was on ESPN. Yesterday, Freeman was actually on Good Morning Football, along with Jalen Smith. I, I forgot to mention, Jalen was a guest host on Good Morning Football today, and they had Marcus Freeman on. And we'll have uh, some of the some of the comments that he had from that nice. up uh, up on the site later. But yeah, so um, but they're doing. You know, it's very interesting because, and, and I had forgotten that they did this at least last year, and I think the last couple of years. Notre Dame doesn't have, you know, Notre Dame is not in a conference. And all these, like we had Big 12 media days this week, Big 10, right. SEC are going to be coming up, the ACC over the next few weeks. And this kind of takes the place of that. They they just pack up. They go to New York, the media capital of the world. And, you know, they go to, they go to, like the, to the media. They go to the sources. And, like, throwing out the first pitch at a Mets game is like, you know, as as big as some of these other college, you know, maybe maybe Nick Saban, like that, you know, they would want Nick Saban, but I can't imagine that in New York City, there's much of a demand 
for too many college football coaches to be throwing out first pitches, you know, right. other than, Hey, the head coach of Notre Dame is going to be here. Heck yeah. We're going to have him on. I mean, you know? there you go. It was, it was interesting when he was on good morning football, they actually dug up his uh, NFL combine film from when he oh, was testing did they as really? a linebacker. He had a shaved bald head nice. when he was in college and he, you know, looked like a completely different guy. And, you know, he was, he was yoked a little bit more, but like he was saying, you know, he was like, ah, oh, maybe, maybe, maybe that guy's a little bit too heavy, you know, a little stiff in the hips and stuff like that. He, said, <laughs> he was talking about when, uh, when Kennedy Erlocker and uh, Brian Erlocker, when they were visiting a while back, one of the assistants, cause he played for a little bit with Brian Erlocker in Chicago. Okay. And, uh, and yeah. you know, they were kind of, they were kind of giving him a hard time. He said that uh, maybe his, Erlacher was saying maybe Marcus Freeman's uh, hips were a little stiff back in the day. So, <laughs> but you wouldn't think that by looking. You wouldn't think that like looking at Marcus Freeman, you wouldn't think yeah, linebacker. stiff hip guy. Well, well I wouldn't well. think linebacker either. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Agreed. Agreed. He may even be faster now than he was back then. I mean, that's definitely yeah. possible. Yeah, he. Uh, you know, like I think his own analysis of himself was probably he didn't look like the most agile guy. That's funny. In the world, doing those linebacker drills. He was like doing some, you know, like lateral movements and stuff like that and some shuttles and things like that. It was that's great. It was good stuff. Yeah. But, you know, again, I think it's I think it's it's pretty unique that that Notre Dame can just kind of, you know, pack up the jet and head yeah. to New York. Yeah. And do do like a little media blitz like this. And there they are two days in a row on on the big national outlets out there. Well, and, and uh, Sam Hartman was on, you know, Sports Center, I think, Center. Uh, yep. on Thursday, and right, and so yeah, they're they're doing the media blitz, and good for them. I mean, and for the one millionth time, anybody that says that Notre Dame doesn't have a national brand and isn't important, I direct you to this. Like, <laughs> you know, not name me another school that could do exactly what they're doing right now. The list is very short. It is. It is, you know, again, like, you know, like Nick Saban in Alabama, you know, like there's Kirby Smart, you know, like a couple of those, basically those elite programs could pack right. up and do that, but they've won national championships. Exactly. Notre Dame hasn't, and yet they can still do that. And someone like Marcus Freeman is in demand. So. Right. And is, is, you know, somebody like Kirby Smart or, or uh, Nick Saban, are they being asked to throw out the first pitch anywhere outside of the South? Exactly. You know, you know it's like I mean? it's one thing for Marcus Freeman to go to Chicago sure. and do it, which he did earlier this year. But again, yeah, to the wrong stadium, for, for whatever. A school based in Indiana, for the head coach to be able to go to a New York Mets game, and they're like, "Yeah, throw out the first." But you know, like I said, exactly. I, just, I don't think there are too many college football coaches who would who would be in demand for right. something like that. And this is the first game back after the All Star break. I mean, right. it, you know, yeah. And they're yeah. playing the Dodgers to boot so it's kind of a marquee game so exactly with oklahoma set to join the sec next season its rivalry series with oklahoma state is likely to go dormant vince here's what oklahoma state head coach mike gundy said about the uh, future of the bedlam rivalry when oklahoma decided to leave the big 12 they chose to end bedlam we're not responsible to change what we do because they left the conference. It's real simple. They chose to get into the SEC. That's the choice they made. End quote, Mike Gundy. 
So my question to you, Vince, is is it good for college football if we're losing rivalries like this, if they're going by the wayside with all the realignment that's going on? No, it's not good for college football because that's what college football is, in my opinion. Because you look at places, not places, you look at like the NFL, for example. Back in the 80s, the 60s, 70s, 80s, even, even to a degree, the early 90s, rivalries were huge in the NFL. And then free agency came, and rivalries are still big for the fans, but they're not as big not for the players. Not for the players. That's right. right. It, it's exactly right. And so I feel like that's the way things are going to start to become at the college level because of the transfer portal and because of conference realignment and all of those things. And that's what I love the most about college football is the rivalries. We always talk about, oh, is – is such and such school still a rival with Notre Dame? Is it a rivalry? What's the best rivalry? All of those things. That's a shame that Oklahoma, when going to the SEC, doesn't make a point to continue the rivalry with Oklahoma State. Like that's it's embarrassing. It is such a money grab on their part, and it is not good at all for college football at all. Yeah, I completely agree, especially like that's an in-state rivalry. And right. It, you know, like my school, Kansas, when Missouri left for the SEC, that was one of the longest running. If not, it might have been the long. I think it was the longest running rivalry in the nation, Kansas, Missouri. And it ended when Missouri left for the SEC. And, and can, you know, like there were times, you know, when Missouri wanted to play. And now they played in basketball last year, finally, for the first time after I think that they had played an exhibition a couple years back. But, you know, at, at, you know, like Missouri kind of wanted its cake and eat it too. You know, they were they were like, oh, we'd still like to play that because they knew it would make them some money. It's like, well, you already took the money and you said right. you're leaving the conference. And that's, you know, like you, you had that, you know, Nebraska and Oklahoma used to be huge rivals. You know, they played yeah. last year, not nearly as big a deal now because, you know, one, Nebraska hasn't been as good, but two, it had been so long since right. they played. But that was a major rivalry in the midwest was nebraska oklahoma even nebraska colorado was a major rivalry for a while texas and texas a&m all these different now they're going to be able to get back together right you know, interestingly enough because they years after a&m left yeah. yeah here comes here comes texas now they're getting back together but it's it's I, I agree you know like i even though that that notre dame miami was obviously very bitter and they did away with that rivalry for different reasons because of how bitter and how you sure. know, kind of destructive it had become. There are times I still miss having that around, you know, like you think of that 88 season besides the, you know, the USC out there in the Coliseum and obviously beating West Virginia in the orange bowl. I mean, I, I think that one of the first things that people think of when they think of that 88 season is Notre Dame, Miami. And it sucks that really, we only periodically get that, and it's really when they play now, it's not a rivalry game at all. It's it's just another game, and like, you know, old heads like us, or maybe me, since, you know, you don't even remember that, you know, old heads <laughs> like, like me, you know, that's, we, we talk about that. We want to talk about sure. Catholics versus convicts and all that kind of stuff, and that's, it's, I think you said it. It's it's so much of what makes college sports, and it and it right. stinks that it's going away. I mean, you can argue, well, they'll find new rivals. It's it's just not the same as those right. organic rivalries that you grew up with. Just like 
Notre Dame and Michigan State, is that a rivalry anymore? They very rarely play. No. And it, and it used to be an every year thing. Yep. You know? Notre Dame Purdue used to be a rivalry that isn't anymore, you know? So I, I do want to pull this up because we're talking rivalries and we're going to move on to sure. a different topic. But uh, D Hawk says, has Southern Cal made any comments on the Notre Dame game and how it impacts their move to the Big Ten? I have not heard anything negative toward like that this rivalry is going to end anytime soon. So I don't see that being the case. I see them still playing every year. I don't see that going away at all. Yeah, it seemed like last year after this came out, you know, there it, that was talked about that they okay. planned on continuing it. And we've had RJ Abatia on a couple of times since then. And I know I asked him at least once, you know, when 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 we had him on about the, the future of the series and it, and it sounds like they both sides are fully expecting it to go on good at this point so that's one i don't want to get rid of for sure no no and it, you know i do i do wonder you know how much uh how much that mattered to them in making this move to the big 10 you know like if the big 10 had said no you can't do it like would that have been sure you know a sticking point for usc but it hasn't really dollars. got to that point it seems like yeah dollar 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 that's you never know because mm-hmm. that's obviously what drove it to begin with. Right. Speaking of conference realignment, here's what Big 12 Deputy Commissioner Tim Weiser said this week about Texas and Oklahoma leaving for the SEC. I thought this was kind of juicy. This is I think their decision was more about affiliating with the group of schools. They would rather get beat by Alabama than Kansas State or Florida than Iowa State. So what do you think of that, Vince, when you hear Tim Weiser from the Big 12 say that? I think that's hilarious, by the way, because, first of all, the fact is that they were losing to Kansas State and Iowa State. and Especially Texas. Yeah, exactly. And I think it's awesome that he said that. It's like kind of rubbing it in the wound. It's like, okay, well, you, you don't want to lose to our guys. You just want to go lose to their guys. That's fine. Bye. Bye. Like, I, you know, obviously nothing he says is going to bring those guys back. Uh, but since it's since they're moving and since this is the last year, might as well throw some salt on the wound, baby. I love that. You want to talk about rivalries? He's kind of sticking it to him here, and I, I dig it. I think it's hilarious. Yeah, he is. I mean, I, it's, it, I think it's obviously a little bit of sour grapes, but at the same sure. time, there's no one – I don't think anyone in the Big 12, you know, is is shedding any tears Right. Texas is leaving. Now, you know, maybe Baylor and Texas Tech because, you know, again, like when you talk about, you know, kind of like – shoulder rivalries or whatever they they obviously they got a lot you know they sold out their stadium you know when when texas would come to town you know those were obviously big ticket games um and probably oklahoma too for that matter but especially texas because it is texas and those schools are in texas but yeah i yeah i i again i think it's a little bit of sour grapes you know i i think the ultimate move you know by texas and oklahoma was what you were just talking about the dollar dollar bills there but at the same time like i said there's no love lost by anyone of the big no. 12 especially for texas i mean texas yeah texas is largely responsible for the the schools that i just mentioned a second ago nebraska missouri and colorado all ultimately leaving the big 12 because those were all original mm-hmm. big eight teams you know right. they were there before the southwestern conference broke up before texas came in there was concern when Texas and the and the Texas schools, but specifically Texas, there was concern that you know too much of the conference was going to be run 
by down there in Texas. And that's ultimately what ended up happening that, you know, they all conceded to Texas, let them have their Longhorn network and all that stuff. And right. then here, lo and behold, you know, what, 25 or so years later now, you know, they, they, they broke up what was a pretty good conference and now they're mm -hmm. just heading off for, for greener pastures and more dollars. So absolutely. Don't, don't let the door hit you. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Nobody, like you said, nobody is shedding tears that they're leaving. And DJ says it right here, Texas and Oklahoma are going to see some hostile crowds this year, more so than they probably would have in the past. No doubt yeah. about it. And they deserve exactly. every bit of it. Yep. Yep. For sure. Going back to, to Marcus Freeman throwing out the first pitch, Shannon said the follow-up should be, does Freeman hit the mitt on the fly or does he hop it to the catcher? Do you think he'll actually throw a strike tonight? What do you think he'll do? Vince? Okay, throw a strike and hitting the mitt are two different things, first True. of all. True, uh, I, I Look, number one, he's going to be prepared. There's no chance he doesn't throw from the mound, right? Right. So he's he's going to – if anything, it'll be high. There's no chance he one-hops it. So he's definitely going to hit the mitt. I don't know if he's going to throw a strike. I don't know enough about his background. But he's an athletic guy. Looks like he can throw to me. I say he hits the mitt. He's done it two times already. The White okay. Sox game that we talked about, he he threw it out at a Notre Dame game this season as okay. well. Okay. So I think he is well practiced. I think at the, the very mitt? least I think at the very least he hits the mitt. I don't think he bounces one. No. That's embarrassing. You can't bounce it. And he will be going back to, you know, 110 guys that will will give him a hard time if he bounces it in. <laughs> That's exactly right. So he's not bouncing it in. There's no way. <laughs> It's only a kick, a jump, a block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Fill in the blank. It's blank that the ACC has reached an agreement with the CW TV network to air a total of 50 football and men's and women's basketball games this season. I think it's great because Notre Dame's going to get a cut, baby. So <laughs> it's great. No, look, any way you can get more um, exposure for your league, the better off you're going to be. And the more deals that they make, the stronger that their league is financially and exposure-wise. Yeah, okay, you know what the CW is? That is a air channel. That is a channel that you can get over national, the air. A national network. That's that right. is, that's fantastic. That's not something that you're going to need a subscription to get. You don't have to right. have ESPN to get the, um, the ACC network to watch those games. Now they're going to be on an air channel that everybody can get. I think that's great. This is a network, the CW, that the Pac-12 was talking to a while back. I, I, the ACC was able to snatch it up. You know, I, I think, you know, the Pac-12's biggest problem 
because they're, we're still waiting for a TV contract to be announced. It sounds like their commissioner overpromised the schools the amount of money mm. that they were going to deliver to them. And the TV networks are telling them, <laughs> nope, that's not what you're getting. <laughs> you <know? laughs> nope. And so there still hasn't been a deal cut. And so the ACC being able to do this for, you know, the troubles that the ACC is having of, of its own, it is huge because of what you were talking about. Like these were games that were otherwise going to be, you know, like on a regional sports network sure. someplace, you know, like the Raycom games and, and that, and I think Raycom is still going to produce it, you know? So like, they're going to get a national broadcast. Is it a, you know, it's not ABC, obviously, or NBC, but it is, it is still, as you said, it is a national broadcast network that will not just be regional. These will be national broadcasts. So I think it's going to be big yeah. for the ACC. And like, you know, like the, the men's and women's basketball games being in there, that's going to be good for a lot of people as well, because there are sometimes like when Notre Dame plays and, you know, you're like, okay, which network is that on? And then you're, right. you know, you're like scrolling, you're like, can I find that? Do I even get that here? You know, even if it's streaming, you you get the CW. So yeah. I think it's gonna be good. I, th- I think it's really good for the ACC, even though you know it's not like a massive, you know, like big splash type deal. But I think it's good. You know, anytime you can get your games on national broadcast, and you kind of snatch it away from one of the other conferences that's in trouble. Win win for them. That's, yeah, right. that's win-win. I I'm I dig it, man, because it's gonna cost you the actually a lot of the a lot of the TVs have the antennas inside of them now, but like it's gonna cost you a set of rabbit ears. Like that's, that's right. That's great. That's right. Fill in the blank. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers are gonna wear their creamsicle throwback uniforms later this season. And the creamsicles are blank. Freaking awesome. Like <laughs> But I like them as throwbacks. They were ugly as sin back in the day. That's what I was going to say. Like, I'm amazing how many people are professing their love for the creamsicles because for so long it was like. Yes, they're terrible. Wow, they're terrible. That's what you're wearing, that that putrid orange. Yeah, and, no. You know, the- and and the the gear surrounding it, like what the what the, the coaches would wear. It was, it was terrible. It was terrible. But it was so terrible that throwing back to it but now is yeah. awesome. Yes. So one game, I'm down. Like I think that's, I think it's fantastic. That I would agree with. Like if they were going back <laughs> to this full time, it would be like no. Nah. Because I remember when they switched over to that pewter look, and it was like, wow, those are pretty cool looking uniforms. Love the pewter colors and uniforms. So like what they had back when like um, Mike Allstott and yeah. and and you know, I love those uniforms. And then they went to those weird like robot looking uniform. Those mm-hmm. were horrible. Those were right. terrible. And then now, now they've gone back to the pewter look. They, that's their look. They need to stick with that look. But I'm cool with the one-game throwback. I'm cool with it. I think those yeah. are great. I really like, do. The old New England Patriots uniforms, like the ones that they wore in 1985 when they played the Bears in the sure. I know you've at least seen, you know, you yep. might not remember, like, actually seeing them in person. Yeah. But no. I know you've seen, you know, video of that game. Yes. <laughs> but – like at the time it was like, those are okay. You know? And then like the longer they, you know, like when they finally switch, it's like, Ooh, they've modernized. It looks cool. They've got silver yes. and blue and all the, you know, it's like, those look cool. But like now, you know, it's just the same thing. They look really sharp when they wear them as a yes. throwback. Like, exactly. Thing. Yeah. Now the ones that the, like if we're talking about the Patriots, right. So like the ones that they wore when Drew Bledsoe was the quarterback, you know, which ones I'm talking about. They're a little more Royal, Look. The original blues, yeah. 
those I don't like wins. those. And if they threw back yeah. to those, I don't think I would like them. You got to throw no. back further to the guy, the, the, the yeah. Patriot that's I'm hiking about the ball, the red, with right? The white helmets, the guy, yeah, the guy hiking the ball, exactly, and all that stuff. Throw back to those. Skip over the Royals. Throw back to those. That's good. And then sure. the uniforms they have now, I think, are pretty good as well. So, um, but yeah, sometimes when you throw back, like when the they would throw back to uh, like when the Astros had like the rainbow, yeah. you know, terrible, horrible. But when you throw Never back to them it. for like a for like a a game, okay, cool. Um, there was I think, a. I think part of it is like the material is is so much better now. Sure, you know what I mean. Like right. they fit a little bit different. They're not like the you know like. Like, like back in the eighties with the nylon, like the coaches' shorts, like, like did your coach still yes. have those in the nineties? Like Absolutely. the nylon double button coaches' shorts. Yes, and like, that's what those like. I remember, you know, like squeezing into baseball uniforms back. You know, like that's that's what those Astros uniforms. They did not look good on anybody, but no. now they're a little bit more. You know, like they're less form fitting. They're a little bit Correct. looser. <laughs> a little bit more give. Yes, you know, performance, not just the uh, the sheer polyester. I guess, but I will also say there was a there was a period there, and I don't remember if it was. I think it was Nike. That like that was one of their uniforms that they had in the catalog that they wanted you know high schools and and colleges to purchase. It's like that 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 rainbow kind of a look, and you could pick what colors you wanted, and the whole yeah. thing. Ugly. Yeah. I didn't like it. I didn't. There was no way I was going anywhere near those uniforms. But to throw it back for like one game. I dig it, you know. Yep. Stymie. Yep. The bike shorts. Yeah, that's man. Exactly what they were. They literally right. called them coaching shorts. Like right. those are the coaching shorts. Like that's what they called them. Absolutely. And almost every coach had them too. Yes. It was. It, was, it was like you had to have them in order to be a coach. Right. That's right. And it was like, thank goodness I missed that phase. The the sexy your sexy coaches with the guts you know spilling out Just over spilling it. out over the top. Oh, I mean, there was goodness. nothing led to the imagination because not only did you wear those shorts, but you tucked your shirt into them. Exactly, that's what I was going to say. <laughs> None of them were untucked. They all tucked their shirts down oh, into those shorts too. Yes. Oh man, those, those were, were the classic. Days. <laughs> and, they, and they were still wearing that crap. Some of the older coaches were still wearing those when I was playing in the mid yes. to late nineties. There was, there was, uh, I was flipping around last night and a Seinfeld, there's always a Seinfeld episode. It was when, um, uh, it, the episode was called the library. It, it like Jerry had this library book that was like 30 years overdue or something like that. And it turned out George had it and George was accosted by the pervert gym teacher in the locker room. <laughs> and he had that exact outfit that you're talking about. He had like the polo shirt, yep, white polo shirt with a school logo tucked into the bike shorts. Yes. The bike classic. Shorts, very snug around the classic. midsection. Classic yes. look. That's great. Can't stand you. Oh. <laughs> okay, so here's a quick list of former players who are slated to take TV jobs this season. You got J.J. Watt. He's going to work in the CBS NFL Sunday studio. Matt Ryan also going to work for CBS NFL. I guess he's, as of now, like studio and games. Might do a little of both. Okay. You got Mark Ingram the third. He's going to join the Fox Big Noon uh, pregame kickoff show. And then Matt Castle will be in the studio for NBC's Big Ten primetime show. So my question is, hmm. which of those four 
do you think will outperform his football career in his new TV career? So this one's easy okay. because three out of the four had a pretty decent college or NFL career. The other one, not so much. <laughs> so you're saying Castle is a slam dunk? I'm basically. saying Castle's He's a, a slam dunk because I don't think he has to do that much to outperform his football career. That's true. But if we were just going to talk about who do I think is going to be the best and maybe have the longest career, I think I might have to go with Matty Ice. I, I feel like he could be very good in this role. Um, just he kind of looks, he kind of looks like a guy who would be in the booth in the first place. Yeah, he does. And so, and I think he's pretty well spoken. I got to hear a lot more of him uh, when he was with the Colts, obviously for the one year because we get more Colts, you know, stuff up here as opposed to when he was in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. But I think he's a very well-spoken guy. I think he understands the game. I think he could be really good at it. And a close second would probably be J.J. Watt. See, I, I'm wondering, is J.J. Watt going to live up to the hype? I think there's more yeah. expectation for him because of his both because of his career and his personality. You know, like he's done a lot of commercials and stuff like that. Like Gronk obviously has a personality, but it hasn't really translated into a broadcasting career. You know, he's given it a shot. Right. It hasn't. Maybe it's just because he is just a total goofball and there's zero substance to it. I don't know. But, so, like, I feel like there's a lot more on Watt. I, that's a good point with Matt Ryan. I mean, you're talking about a high-caliber quarterback who is also not going to be thrown into one of the big booths, you know, like right. a guy like Drew Brees was right away. He's going to have a chance to kind of learn a little bit. I'll be curious to see sort of where he gets paired up, you know, what games he What games he gets, yeah, right. I'm thinking Mark Ingram is probably going to end, you know, like his college career was great, obviously, winning sure. a Heisman and a national championship at Alabama. I mean, he had a good pro career, but it's not going to be a Hall of Fame pro right. career. But at the same time, you know, like Reggie White was pretty solid in that big noon show. He mm-hmm. wanted more money for a second straight year, so they let him walk and brought in Mark Ingram, you know, without Ingram doing any work. So I'm guessing if they felt was it that they got enough, rid of? Reggie uh, Reggie Bush, I think I said. Reggie oh, White. Reggie Bush. Yeah, yeah, I was Reggie like, wait, Bush. what? <laughs> yeah. Okay. So he's taking. Reggie. Yeah. He's taking Reggie Bush's place. He's taking Reggie Bush's place. Okay. Yeah. I think he was probably the third wheel in there anyway. When you when yeah. you're talking about the uh, you know Brady Quinn, uh, Reggie Bush, and uh, Matt Leinart, I felt like he was kind of the third wheel of that threesome. So. If they were going to lose one, I would have said, okay, you can lose Reggie Bush. So, right. I'm okay with that. Curious to see what Castle can sure. do. Yeah. Really, yeah, I, they've kind of, I've seen a lot of names. I'll have to kind of dig up what I can find, uh, like who else is going to be involved in that. It won't take too long till we find out. But yeah. right, like, I, I, I'm really curious, like, you're probably right. You know, like considering the question that I posed, <laughs> Castle. Castle has the best chance based on the career. It's a low bar. I'm kind of looking forward, though. Brian and I have been talking, and I think, like, during the season, I'm going to kind of uh, do some write-ups, you know, like on the different pregame shows and stuff like that. Things they're saying about Notre Dame and, you know, how accurate they are with some of their, you know, predictions and and things like that. So, yeah. So, I'll be be curious. I I am curious to see what this this NBC primetime – thing yeah. looks like as well as how much Notre Dame talk maybe you know kind of gets carried over into it you know since there'll be Absolutely. a Notre Dame game before and you know leading into a Big Ten game 
that night, what the coverage looks like. Yeah, for sure. It's going to be, I, I, I am still at the moment. I am more of a, uh, a, you know, the Fox big noon kickoff guy at this point. See if NBC can sway me a little bit. We'll see. Yep. I know you, I know you like the, the Fox big noon a little bit more. I'm going to, I've watched a little bit more game day over the last couple of years. Okay. But, but again, I'm going to start recording both and watch right. more. Well, both. and the problem was we were doing our show at the exact same time as game day and right. Big Noon kickoff. So last year, didn't see really either one. Um, exactly. I'm happy we're going to be able to get back to watching that a little exactly. bit. And Let's I've see. also got a media guy coming on next Ooh. week. Okay. Podcaster. Uh, and we're going to talk a little college football media. Nice. Week. So Nice. How did yeah. your interview go last night? I want to watch it that. It was good. It was yeah. good. Danielle Green. Really yeah. Really good. She was, uh, she was, you know, you know, very, very good. You know, had a lot of, uh, what? I'm trying to think of how, how I wanted, you know, like for someone who's gone through what she went through, you know, she lost a hand in Iraq from an explosive going off when she was an MP over there. She's got a great attitude right hmm. now and you know just seems to be doing really good things and she's directing that into now you know helping other you know wounded wounded warriors wounded veterans you know she's yeah. working for the wounded warrior project full time so really good i think you'll enjoy it okay that's on my docket of things to do tonight yes she called muffet mcgraw her original drill sergeant by the way <laughs> i love that coffees for closers tropic of cancer that's right that was the book in the Seinfeld episode. I was ah, about. Oh, very nice. Was the book that was missing. And and Jerry ended up at the end of the episode, wrote a, a uh, there was like a, the library detective was, you know, was after him to recover the book and all that kind of stuff. And he wrote out a check for the late fee and all that <laughs> kind of good stuff. So it was good. All right. Well, that's going to do it for tonight. Short and tight. One hour. Wrapped it up. About an hour flat. Have a great weekend, and we will talk to you on Monday. Mon- next week, my last week. That's right. Um, for vacation. I'll be off for a week. And then uh, we've got all kinds of good stuff we're going to talk about next week. Smash the like button on your way out. We appreciate you being here. Have a great weekend. And we will talk to you Monday on Ivy Nation Sports Talk. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. 
Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.